be open to odd. <laughs> <laughs> well, they listen to this show. Yeah, so that's good to I know, know. perfect. <laughs> um... Hello and welcome to episode two of our special Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank mini-series of the Rockstar CMO Airfing Marketing Podcast. Do not adjust your sets, no change for our weekend schedule. Just drop in a little something into the feed as we continue to dig into the book by my chum, Liz High, and our co-author, Alison Netzer. In a moment, you'll hear from Liz, an insight ninja, marketing strategist, speaker, and author who has worked with some amazing brands. They include Microsoft, Amazon, and Dell, and more recently has focused on supporting startup and growth fintechs, banks, and credit unions to embrace brand thinking. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rock star, but I picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years on my tour from sysadmin to CMO and trusted advisor. And don't be deterred by not a bank in the title of this mini series, as I'll be on hand looking at how other marketers can apply the research and insights found in this book. If you missed last week's episode, we introduced Liz and the book, and we are now stepping through five principles that she shares. This week, it's the first of those principles. Sometimes do the counterintuitive thing. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome back, Liz, to Rockstar CMO FM and our little mini-series, Think Like a Brand, based on a book written by your good self. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm very well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, we, should, we should really have a gin or something at the moment, but I know that you're in Seattle, so it's a little early for you, isn't it? Mm, uh, you know I live by the it's midday somewhere rule, so that's okay. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, um, and we could also jazz a bit about uh, what's going on at Chelsea at the moment, but maybe best to leave that. Yeah, let's, let's move swiftly on. <laughs> All right. So, um, so Liz, hi. Uh, you're an author and um, researcher, and we covered your bio both last week in this, this, the start of this miniseries, and you're a guest on the show uh, episode 133 if I remember correctly so we'll we'll skip all the introductions we'll dive straight into it so last week we gave a little overview of your book we talked about you know why it was in why thinking like a brand matters and what your definition of brand was and then this week we're going to dive into the first of your five principles and I can't help but say effing whenever we do five <laughs> because we're always doing that on the show but anyway so your five principles the first one um, if I've taken my notes and remember correctly from the book, is sometimes do the counterintuitive thing. Why should we be doing the counterintuitive thing, Liz? Hmm. Well, we start <laughs> the, the chapter of this book with, with a quote that says, sometimes mm. things don't make sense until the end of the story, which is from the two great philosophers, Bill and Ted, from the not quite so great <laughs> second movie, Face the Music. But um, yes. 
Um, that really sums up why sometimes you should try the thing that doesn't seem quite right. Because right. once you do it and once you feel it, then you get something potentially beautiful, different, and innovative. That's really why this is principle one. Right, right. So, so this is like—is is this feeling the resist feeling like you're not quite in your comfort zone or something like that? You know, because. If you work, particularly as the book is based on financial services and banks and stuff, there's a way of doing things, right? So is it like trying to swim against that? It is a bit swimming against that. And I think one of yeah. the, the observations that Alison, my co-author, and I have about the, the banking industry is that because it's so heavily regulated, there is a tendency towards binary thinking. So you either mm -hmm. have to do A or B. Right. And the kind of the A or B thing is, you know, it's anything like high risk to low risk. It's mm -hmm. are we bankers or advisors? Are we brick and mortar? Are we digital? Right. And when you are really ingrained in that way of thinking, it can be really mm -hmm. difficult to find new things. So you end up just making incremental change. Right. So a big part of our story here is saying, look, you need to look for, we talk about this idea of the space. So between A and B, there's actually a million options. Right. And you just need to be a little bit more comfortable with this idea of the gray space. Right. And if you start thinking outside of the pure binary terms, then that's where you can actually start to find you know, like new ventures or new partnerships, mm -hmm. or, you know, in this mm -hmm. case, maybe it's a fintech that just kind of really changes what you've been offering for, for all this time. But it's about right. looking between the A and the B and the binary thinking. Right, right. And um, I, 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 what I liked in, in the book, you were, you were talking about, I mean, what I read and, and what I heard really, and you don't, I don't think you refer to categories specifically, but it obviously, as I come from a, like a B2B tech background, mm -hmm. I was looking at that, but it seemed to be like some of this was like finding that differentiation, finding that place in your category that kind of re defines you to the customer as being slightly different. Is that what you're thinking of here when you're talking about being counterintuitive? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So stop yeah. thinking about being I mean, I'll give you an example from, you know, my 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 time at Nimbus. It's stop thinking about yourself yeah. as, you know, a digital bank versus a brick and mortar bank. Think about right. yourself as the customer experience that helps newly married individuals to have that really difficult right. money conversation and then set saving goals that are about their life together. That's right, a great right, example yeah. of not being a digital bank, not being a brick and mortar yeah. bank, but being something that has true meaning within it. Yeah. And this is that, I mean, this is that advice that, um, that, that a lot of marketers talk about when it comes to brand and positioning is thinking about the industry you're actually in or, mm. or the purpose of your organization. Like, um, I, I can't, I, I keep referring back to Theodore Levitt and he wrote about how you know, the death of the railway industry in the US was because the railways didn't realize they're in the transportation business and were looking at their competitors who are other railways, right? And they got killed by the road because they didn't see the road coming, right? Yeah. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's, it's, as you said, like, we're providing a service to newly, what was your example, newly married couples, yeah. right, who are, who are starting their, their path looking for their new mortgage and stuff, rather than 
we're offering a specific product and therefore we compete in the market on this product. Exactly. Exactly. And it comes back to that whole idea that if people are, you know, emotionally engaged with you, their lifetime's value can be, you know, twice that of another customer. That is a classic example of doing what might feel counterintuitive because you want to sell a mortgage. Actually, by creating a connective experience that's about talking about money, visualizing money, you're going to get the mortgage. Mm-hmm. but you're going to get a hell of a lot more as well. Right, right. And that's almost, I mean, I, I read into that also, you know, some of the things, well, some of the work we've done together in the past around things like content marketing and research and stuff. And that's, um, again, I'm overlaying onto this, my own industry and not just just banking, but being a bit more useful is the general sort of term of it, isn't it? Is how, how am I going to be useful to the market with this offering and explain that use yeah. rather than just, be selling all the time is that the point here yeah Yeah. completely because what you're doing is you're not thinking about the decision is it a or b you're thinking about Mm -hmm. the outcome right which is is never a binary thing right and the other thing i thought was really interesting in the book you talked about was um not being customer first which kind of flies in the face of pretty much everything everybody's talking about in marketing at the moment so what what did you mean by not being customer first So it's so funny, out of all of the feedback that we've had mm-hmm. on the books, the, the one yeah. thing that everyone says is, I can't believe you actually said, don't be customer first. <laughs> yeah, um, I can imagine. And I mean, I've, I've you know, I've, I've done that in, in, you know, banking and credit union boardrooms, and yeah. you actually, you hear the... <gasps> <laughs> um, yeah. But there's good reason behind it. And yeah. if you are focused on yourself your profits or you're just 100% focused on your customers mm-hmm. you're not delivering shared value right and it all right. comes back to you know what we talked about before around the mm. the creating an engagement an engagement yeah. comes from a shared sense of getting value yeah yeah i think i mean uh, I don't want to talk about our old careers, but I think we worked at an agency together. And I think um, one of the things I used to talk about there and with, in, with support from you guys and, and the research that you did was it was about quid pro quo, right? In that, yeah. in that there, there has to be something in it for you as the, as the organization, as well mm-hmm. as for the customer. Otherwise, it's, it's not a profitable relationship for either. I don't mean profit in the purest dollar sense of the word, but that it's valued. It has to be valued to both, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I used to use an example um, of, of that. I used to fly a billion years ago. Um, there used to be a, a startup airline here called Silverjet, and it kind of gave you f- fairly well-priced business class tickets to the US. I think when we were together at SDR, and I was flying over to New York all the time, and um, I gave them a go. I'm not being a bit pre, pre that, I can't remember when it was. Um, and um, it was a great service for me, but of course, um, you know, the, they hadn't got their economics right, and uh, the price of aviation fuel went up, and Although I had a great time, uh, the company actually went out of business. So yeah. that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? That the, the relationship needs to offer value to both. And if you're not focused on both of those things, yeah. then... Uh, and also, I mean, sorry, I'm rambling on. And, and really, you're the one here to do the talking. And, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, that whole customer first thing, no organization can be entirely customer first. So it's bullshit from the start, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
And, you know, I think one of the things that, again, thinking about branding is authenticity, particularly if you look at any kind of Gen Z study that's um, there, they can smell inauthentic marketing bullshit, you know, 100 paces. So, you know, you can say your customer focus, fantastic. (laughs) Um, And one of the the exercises we do in the book is we pull out a load of mission statements from banks. (laughs) Nice. And, you know, every single one is all about caring for my community, serving my community, customer first, member first. So it's it's become, uh, and even when it's really baked into your culture, Mm -hmm. that's better but it's still not about finding that point of shared value right right so and i know that in i mean in the book you've got loads of these brand examples so which one which one shares did you find about this counterintuitive uh thinking thing what what, what's the case study there yeah okay so i'm going to use one um and i'll confess now i'm a complete fan girl um, I'm not sure if you're aware of um, Elvest and their founder, Sally Kroshek. Um, She basically left a kind of a glowing career, um, you know, as an investor, as a banker, because she believed that it was wrong that there was a huge gender money gap in the US. Right. Right. And conventional thinking and data, if you look to any of the search that was around on this, the a belief that women didn't have the the confidence or the interest investing, they were less involved in wealth management, they were much less likely to seek financial advice. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, investing, you know, is about being competitive and it basically was the realm of of men. So she kind of said, I don't believe that at all. So she put a lot of her own money up and she quit her, let's say, incredibly lucrative career and set up Mm -hmm. an organization and a fund that was all about helping women to get confident about investing. Right. And the counterintuitive thinking really there was, I'm going to go against all of the data. I'm going to against all of everybody else's instincts apart from mine and i'm going to make this work right and hugely successful uh they hit one billion asset under management which is you know in in that industry it's a it's a huge benchmark um and they hit that right in the middle of covid wow and really you know it it was really showing that counterintuitive thinking doing something different and getting it right yeah Mm. by women for women emotional connection good education content good easy to understand um entry level um bringing a different group of women into an area which they've been excluded from previously yeah no I, i really enjoyed that example and also i was thinking that you know, you're saying that she went against the data, which I, mm-hmm. I'm surprised that comes out of your mouth. Yeah, is. Yeah. But I think what she was going about going, and I think that's the interesting thing about the data and about the market you're in is what voices you listen to. Because mm-hmm. if you, I mean, maybe it's post-rationalized thinking of saying, well, this makes total sense, right? Is that, 
you know, we all know the, the, the increasing role that women are playing in, 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 the, um, in every industry, right? So there's a, you know, these, these industries, are, these sorts of organizations are seeing a huge amount of success. Plus, you know, it's a more comfortable place, you know, when, when your peers are doing something, it's, it's much better, isn't it? So I'm surprised that, um, that it's going against the data, but I know what you mean. And it, it's, it's, it's such a great story. Yeah, I mean, it totally rejects this whole kind of notion of, you know, black and white yeah. thinking. And what it says to me is there's a lot of money to be made. And let's be practical. We're thinking like a brand, not for love. We're thinking about like a brand for money, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. And in that gray area, there's a lot of new opportunities, new ventures and innovations where you're really pulling money out of challenging or even like this, establishing a brand new category. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you mentioned grey there, uh, Liz. I think it's the same uh, for other demographic groups as well. Maybe not in the financial um, institutions, but it always makes me laugh when people talk about the fact that Facebook needs to attract the the younger generation into into using Facebook, for example. is like, well, they've got a market already. Why don't you just lean into that? You know what I mean? It, yeah, so what? It's everybody's parents are on Facebook. Well, make the most of that, right? Yeah. And, and and go with it. I think that's really interesting. And also and also when I was reading it, actually, especially when you were talking about creating, well, when I interpreted you talking about the fact that you're creating a place in the category and finding those, those sort of counterintuitive points or, or brand thinking between A and B, I was thinking about Drift, who are basically, you know, they're, they're, they're started as... Into, I mean, it's probably a bit of a g- degeneration of what they are, but it, it's kind of a chat chatbot connected to CRM, um, enables people to to chat on online. We all do it now, um, but they described it as conversational selling and conversational marketing, and it kind of changed the way that people would perceive those products, and it also changed who they were competing with as well, because people weren't just viewing this as a as a chatbot; they were viewing it as, ah, oh, this is a there's a new thing, new way that I can sell, new way that I can market. And I think that was really interesting, the way they did that. And when you scratch below this off, you're like, wow, they've got loads of competitors, but loads of people will talk about Drift um, as being the leader in that space. Yeah, no, I love that example. Uh, And again, that's a lot of the similar work that I was kind of doing at Nimbus is that the idea was don't sell banking technology sell a customer experience in this case we talked about this idea of kind of niche banking so niche being the new local and how you're kind of reinventing the way that you know community banking could be done so Mm. I really love this idea that counterintuitive and you said it like best right up front of the interview it's about redefining the category that you're in to compete more effectively Yeah, yeah, and it, uh, yeah, and a really great quote, great first principle. Really enjoyed that. So, out of from from all that we've discussed, um, what are the top three things do you think people need to take out of this part of the book, out of this first principle? Yeah. So, um, my first one, I'd say, is this idea of be open to odd. <laughs> well, they listen to this show, yeah, so that's good to I know, perfect. Um, <laughs> and just the idea of that is if you're doing something counterintuitive, it's just going to feel a little bit weird to begin with. But right. just give it a chance, you know, be open yeah. to different and just kind of embrace that. Get used to feeling yeah. a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you know what that, you know, these are the kinds of things that I think why, why well, I'm hoping that you do more than just, um, 
think like a brand, not a bank. And it's just, you do just think like a brand because that is great advice for everybody, I think. And there's a number of those within the book as well. Yeah. So, sorry, what was, what's the second thing that people need to take from well, this? Well, I think, you know, we talked a lot about it in this, but this is the idea of mm. search for spaces. Mm-hmm. So brand thinking isn't A or B. Mm-hmm. It's all of the opportunities that exist between those two. Yeah, so right. the drift example, the Elvest example, you know, yeah. that's great looking for spaces to do something new and different. Right, right. And and the third thing we should take from this? Well, I think, again, we talk about it a lot, but it is the message of, you know, don't be customer first. Yeah, <laughs> Let's all yeah. get focused. And again, to your point, this applies to every industry. Let's focus yeah. on the concept of shared value, not yeah. on the platitudes of customer first. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for that brief view of principle one in your book. I'm looking forward to the next four. So as we introduced, I think last week, we were saying that we're going to cover these five principles that you have in your book. So next week, I believe we're covering embrace tension and create contradictions, which sounds interesting too. Correct? Yes, indeed. Yes, that's your second principle. I just want to check that I've read the notes correctly. Yeah. Um, so, so we're going to go do, do that next week. I'm um, looking forward to that. Um, and I'll include a link to, to, to your book and to our previous discussions in the show notes. Um, and I'll speak to you next week, Liz. Appreciate it. Have a great week. Cheers, Liz. Bye-bye. So that's a wrap on this episode of Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank, special for the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. I thank you for dropping a dime into your podcast and jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I will, of course, include links to Liz and her book in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or rockstarcmo.com, where you can also find all our previous episodes. If you have any feedback or suggestions, spin the dial on the interwebs and say hello on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO just about everywhere. Email us at hello at rockstarcmo.com or please leave a rating or a review in your favourite podcast app. I'll be back with our usual show with Jeff and Robert on Saturday. I hope you'll join us for that. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And thanks again for listening to Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.